0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: Hello, listeners and future callers. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. And this week, we're getting a little bit cheesy. Mac and cheesy, that is.
2: I have made it so many times, in so many different recipes.
1: That's Blake, our caller this week, and he just can't seem to master his mac and cheese game.
2: Tastes like cardboard, tastes like flour. I'll use <laughs> fancier cheeses to make it a little more flavorful, and I'll taste it. and I'm like, I feel like I'm chewing on a cardboard box.
1: Oh, this is amazing. This has turned into the best day ever. First of all, it takes a lot to go on any kind of show and be like, I'm not making good mac and cheese, you know, and just admit that there's a problem in the first place. Second of all, I would love to understand the types and styles of mac and cheese recipes that you've been using and if there's been any success along the way or what specifically hasn't worked about each one the ones that have turned out best are
2: probably like the baked mac and cheeses like i have the nice cast iron skillet i've like done jalapenos on top and some extra cheese and and those you have other things in it to hide that flavor that's just coming through that's basically making it bland Mm -hmm. and then for a while i was like okay well maybe it's because there's that roux in there and i'm adding too much flour so i'll Just get rid of the roux altogether. And then it's like, okay, well, now the sauce is kind of just... There is no sauce. Yeah, it's not a sauce. It's just melted cheese.
1: Blake and I are talking about roux here. That's R-O-U-X. If you're not familiar, roux is a mixture of equal parts flour and fat, often butter, cooked down. It's something that you'll see in all kinds of recipes from mac and cheese to gravy to gumbo, and it's used to thicken up sauces and stews. Okay, back to Blake's recent mac and cheese attempts
2: the most recent time I made it and I followed a recipe online. I don't specifically remember which one, but it was the make the roux, make the bechamel, add the cheese, you know, the mm-hmm. pretty traditional mac and cheese. And I'm like, this looks awesome. Let's sit down, eat it. Took a bite and I was just so defeated. I was like, what the heck? Why does this taste so boring?
1: You have struggled with it and yet here you are and you persist still. And I think that is Beautiful. Okay, couple things. You clearly are familiar with the style of baked mac and cheese that involves a bechamel sauce. When it comes to the roux, do you feel like you are cooking it out adequately? Like really kind of cooking it to the stage at which it's starting to smell nutty and maybe even getting to the point where it is turning a little bit light golden brown?
2: I would say yes. I mean, definitely getting to that where I can smell the nuttiness in it, and it definitely is changing color at least a bit. You know, I'm not taking it to like a darker stage, yep. but I don't know if that's something I should be trying. But I mean, maybe that's my issue. I really don't know. And it's it's just frustrating because like I'll go to a family dinner and somebody will make mac and cheese and I'll try the recipe. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Give me a recipe. They'll mm. give me the recipe. I'll make it exactly how they said. And it just doesn't turn out. I'm like, what's going really?
1: on? Oh, well, that's interesting. Another question I would have is, do you recall the types of cheeses and, like, specifically the cheese you used in your most recent iteration?
2: My most recent one? maybe a cheddar and a pepper jack or something. Just something that we kind of always have around. So I didn't use anything super fancy, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have. I specifically bought a nicer cheese to get a little extra flavor, like a Gouda or something. I usually
1: think is pretty good. Another question. Can you attest to the fact that you felt you had seasoned the bechamel with enough salt? Is salt something that you use liberally? Is it something that you're terrified of? Like, is salt in your lexicon? I
2: try to definitely season. season properly. Everything I do, obviously, I am salting my pasta and I'm adding salt to the bechamel.
1: And when you say you're adding it, describe to me, if you were to fill your hand with the amount of salt that you're putting in your pasta cooking liquid, what does that look like?
2: To a 200 gram serving of pasta with adequate water, I'm adding three to four big pinches of kosher salt.
1: Okay. When you think about a bechamel sauce for the uninitiated, that is a base of roux being cooked out with milk or other kind of like liquid dairy. But It's fascinating the process that a bechamel goes through on the journey to being fully seasoned. If there's no salt in it, it is wild how flavorless it is. Because even if you put the most assertive cheeses in the world, even if you put frigging Roquefort in there, there's not going to be enough salt to really fully access the flavors that are there, but just haven't really been fully unlocked. All right, let's come at this from another angle. When you close your eyes and you think about your platonic ideal— mac and cheese what do you see
2: i mean uh, this is maybe weird but a sound is definitely important when i'm stirring the pot i want to hear that i don't even know how to describe the sound but it's telling me what the texture of the sauce is really it's telling me that it's the right consistency and it's got a little bit of thickness to it and it's not going to be stringy and not melted enough
1: auditory cue for the texture of the sauce on the pasta of Blake's platonic ideal, I think that is so fascinating and insightful as a cook. You know, a lot of people don't think about sound (laughs) when it comes to food, right? But we're talking about sound in the cooking process. We're talking about the sound of the pasta in the sauce moving around in this kind of like cooking environment, not the way mac and cheese sounds on your plate, which is, let's face it, hopefully pretty quiet, you know, unless something horrible has gone wrong. So what if I said mac and cheese to you is all about the texture of the sauce. Never mind baking it, never mind the breadcrumb topping. If I said, what if there's a way to just kind of dial in the consistency of that sauce, the flavor of that sauce, but it's never going to be crispy. There's never going to be a golden topping, a shower of breadcrumbs or any of that. What would that do for you? Would that make you happy or sad?
2: That's honestly what I'm looking for is like even just a good, very basic mac and cheese recipe that I can then, if I want to add some bacon to it, if I want to add some pulled pork to it, if I want to put it in a cast iron and put it in the oven and put breadcrumbs on top, that's probably what I'm looking for is just a good base that yeah. I can then experiment with, you know? <sighs>
1: This is like the best conversation I've had in a long time. I cannot wait to go back to the drawing board on this and think of some different variations because we've, (laughs) let's face it, we've done many as a brand over the years. And I gotta think about who to have as a co-host on this, who's happy to take a deep, cheesy dive with us. I am so fired up for this and we're gonna come back to you with a game plan, okay? Awesome. To help Blake make the perfect mac and cheese at home, I knew I needed a real cheese head. So I put out a call to everybody at Bon Appetit and our sister brand, Epicurious, and I heard some real hot takes. But nobody brought the background, the know-how, the macaroni and cheese je ne sais quoi, like Epicurious digital director Maggie Hoffman.
0: Chris, we have so many mac and cheese recipes on Epi. I mean, dozens.
1: Maggie is the head of Epi, including the website and our brand new app. She's also got some serious mac and cheese commitment. For a feature at a previous job, she went all around New York City and tasted no fewer than 20 macaroni and cheese dishes. Fair to say she understood the assignment.
0: People feel so passionately about mac and cheese. And to some, it's a crime if there's a crispy top. And to some, it's a crime if there's no crispy Top. And every time we publish a new mac and cheese, immediately we see that lots and lots of people are clicking on it.
1: Yeah. This is one of those categories of dishes we come back to all the time. You're never done. You're never at the point where you, like, plant your flag in a recipe and say, there, that's the one.
0: How many choices do we get to give him? (laughs) If you think
1: there's a reason... For you to offer him more than one recipe, that's totally fine with me. But if there's one that you think is far and away the best, however you want to define that, it could be what you love about mac and cheese. It could be what is the highest rated in the app. It could be what has the most reviews. Let's not share notes beforehand, because if out of dozens of recipes in our archives we both were to perchance come up with the same one what a storyline you know
0: love it i believe there is a tag in our system that just collects all the mac and cheese recipes so we can get searching away remember what they all taste like and we'll see what happens
1: after the break two wildly different approaches for blake to consider Hey, listeners, Chris Morocco here. If you find yourself in a dinner crisis, the Epicurious app comes to the rescue. Not only will you unlock over 50,000 recipes from Bon Appetit and Epicurious, but you'll also receive daily personalized recommendations based on your unique preferences and dietary needs. Head to the Apple App Store and download the Epicurious app to kickstart your seven-day free trial today. Don't miss out on this culinary adventure. Start your free trial and let the Epicurious app be your kitchen hero. Happy cooking. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, And 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: And I gotta tell you this week leading up to this conversation, I cooked a lot of mac and cheese.
1: Did you? Really?
0: Oh, yeah. We're all the way back in the every night mac and cheese world. Maggie, what would you say
1: the most popular mac and cheese recipe on the Epicurious site, on the
0: app? You know, they really vary. And something that's amazing is you publish a new mac and cheese and all of a sudden that's your top recipe for the month.
1: And like the smart digital director she is, Maggie went to the data to find her selection for Blake.
0: But our all-time most popular is called Our Favorite Mac and Cheese. And it sort of takes a lot of the great things about mac and cheese and brings them all together in one. I mean, I think this is the one. Rhoda Boone's Our Favorite Mac and Cheese really does it for me. And I think it's a really good place to start, even if you're looking to then start riffing a little bit. It has a very flavorful sauce. Because you start by toasting breadcrumbs, which are going to be at the top, and there's some Parmesan in those. Then the sauce itself isn't just creamy, milky flour bechamel. You add in your milk, and then you also add a little bit of salt and mustard powder, which is something that even if you can't find it near you, you can mail order. It's shelf-stable. It's all the flavor of mustard in a dry format. And that mustard, that's what you need for the cheese to sort of pop. So that's really the key. And then she also adds white pepper. And I think the white pepper in part was just so you didn't have like lots of black flecks in your white sauce. But white pepper also has a ton of flavor, especially if you buy one like from Burlap and Barrel, those are really flavorful peppercorns. And so you get a lot of bang for your buck there. And I have one tip I think is really crucial for whatever mac and cheese you're making is that you don't want your timing of the bechamel to be dependent on the pasta. So you're going to make your bechamel just until it's done. You want your pasta to be already cooked so that you don't keep cooking down your bechamel until it's thicker and thicker, until it's like sludgy. You really want, as soon as the bechamel is ready and it coats the back of the spoon, you add in your pasta.
1: Amazing. Now, Blake, stay with me here. So- when you were going deep on mac and cheese, we lost you for a few minutes to this ASMR kind of like fantasy world <laughs> of like talking about the sound that the pasta makes once it's been introduced to the sauce as it kind of slaps and slurps its way yeah. around the pot.
2: That, that gooey sound, that to me tells you the texture is right.
1: I loved that. I will talk about that to the end of my days, but I'm going to share my recipe. And this is from Rick Martinez. This is called Stovetop Mac and Cheese. The reason why I wanted to do this recipe and not a baked style of mac and cheese, because I had a feeling Maggie was going to go baked, just had a sneaky suspicion. And when I thought about the sound that this mac and cheese was going to create, I was like, if there's one person in the world who's gonna understand this recipe because of the way it sounds, it's Blake. And part of the reason for that is this recipe does not use bechamel. This recipe uses milk and cream. It uses mustard powder and cayenne powder. Interestingly, it uses a combination of a cornstarch slurry to thicken the sauce and it uses cream cheese. And we're not talking about fancy deli cream cheese, we're talking about good old fashioned eight ounce bar of Philadelphia. That has a lot of stabilizers in it, which is gonna add like quite a bit of stability, thickness and richness, and a little bit of brightness to the mac and cheese, and it's at least going to take you out of the bechamel paradigm in terms of how to create great mac and cheese. Also, you know, seasoning is key. This uses a combination of medium sharp cheddar with Munster, which is kind of like an easy melting cheese. Anyway, two recipes, two very different approaches, ultimately two really good mac and cheeses from two really good chefs.
2: For sure. I love the mustard powder. I never would have thought of that, I guess, to put mustard powder in there to bring out that flavor. It's probably a matter of, yeah, I am probably under seasoning
1: my cheese sauce. Any other words of wisdom, Maggie? What did you learn in revisiting mac and cheese this past week?
0: You know, it's a great dish and it's flexible. And so I think also with either of these, whichever you choose, I think you can make them following the recipe the first time, taste them as you go, and then You can stir in your barbecue. You can add your Frank's Red Hot. It's a great backdrop for so many foods. I think you can't go wrong.
1: Love it. Well, listen, I think your main goal here is to have it not taste like cardboard. So the bar is kind of low on this one, which frankly helps us a lot. But if it tastes amazing, how much better would that be? I'm excited. Seriously, Blake cannot go wrong with the two recipes we sent him. Maggie's choice, our favorite mac and cheese, and mine, stovetop mac and cheese. After the break, we'll find out if Blake finally gets his mac and cheese right. Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the Test Kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's sos 20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Happy cooking. And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self-destructs. Welcome back to Dinner S.O.S. When we first heard from Blake, his mac and cheese was tasting like cardboard. So we were excited to hear which recipe he chose to achieve cheesy bliss.
2: Getting ready to go make my mac and cheese right now. I've decided to go with Chris's recipe, the stovetop mac and cheese. Pretty excited. I think my main reason I chose that one was because the cream cheese doesn't have a bechamel, which I thought was pretty interesting. So we'll see how it turns out. Pretty excited.
0: I knew you were going to pick Chris's. As soon as he described it, I was like, yeah, that sounds so good. It was.
1: <laughs>
2: it, was, it, was it was super, super good.
1: Yours sounded good too, Maggie. Before we get back to Blake, I'm going to walk you through how you make the stovetop mac and cheese. First, simmer whole milk and cream with mustard powder and cayenne. Make a slurry with cornstarch and water, then whisk it into the milk mixture. Bring it to a boil and whisk constantly until the mixture thickens. Then add your cream cheese and cook until smooth. Reduce heat, then stir in the grated cheese. The recipe calls for cheddar, munster, and fontina, though the fontina is optional. Let the cheese melt down, then put your cooked pasta into the cheese sauce. The recipe calls for elbows, but hey, go wild. Stir until the sauce is smooth and creamy and pasta is evenly coated. Season to taste and serve hot. Now, let's hear more about Blake's cheesy adventure. My wife's comment was, why don't you make this more often?
0: That counts as a win. Yes.
1: Yeah, we'll take that. Now, interestingly, both of these recipes call for elbow macaroni. And I have to say... I don't like elbow macaroni. And here's my beef with elbow macaroni. It never has the ridges. If they could just create elbow macaroni that has the damn ridges on it, I'd be at least like paying attention. But like you have these little wet squiggles of textureless goo and there's like there's nothing going on. There's no surface detail.
2: Yeah, I think next time I'd probably try to use like a good
1: cavatappi that has the ridges. Yeah. Tell me, what about other aspects of mac and cheese making? Like, did you feel a little bit more empowered? Were you skeptical about the mustard powder?
2: Definitely was not skeptical of the mustard powder. I thought that was a very good idea and a good addition. I like, you know, some fresh ground pepper on my mac and cheese. So I added that Mm. at the end, but I thought the seasoning was, was spot on and it definitely had a sharpness I think it was probably the Fontina, just gave it a really, really sharp, cheesy taste to
1: it. Mm. You know, it's interesting. And I'm curious for your take on this, Maggie, because you interact with recipes all the time and have to kind of parse out what the ingredients truly mean. What's interesting about these cheeses is we've got medium cheddar, we've got Munster cheese, and then we've got a very modest amount of Fontina relative to the others. And Both Fontina and cheddar are two cheeses that have like superlative examples of. So you can have a cheddar that's like all over the road in terms of the level of quality. Same thing with Fontina. Like there's very kind of soft sort of waxy Fontina. And then there's kind of like really proper more like Alpine style Fontina. Munster, I feel like is just Munster. Is that fair, Maggie? Is there? Have you ever seen like an artisanal Munster cheese? Does such a thing exist?
0: I don't think so, though. I mean, I'd love to hear about it if there is. But you know, it's that milky sort of sweet flavor that you need to tie those other cheeses together.
1: Yeah, it's like a texture thing. You know, that's the one that just wants to melt and is just there to party too. And Maggie, right now at this moment, do you have mustard powder in your spice cabinet?
0: I actually have two different kinds of mustard powder in my spice cabinet.
1: What do you have? Coleman's and what else?
0: I have Coleman's and I have Tin Brand. They're a small mustard company. And I thought I was buying like a liquid mustard, tin mustard, but they make a dry mustard blend as well. And so I ended up with that somehow. I love having it around just to add a pinch somewhere where you don't want more liquid in something. You know, it's just like such a punch of flavor without adjusting the liquid of whatever your sauce or your rub or whatever
1: yeah like in a dry rub mustard powder is incredible because it adds like a different form of like almost heat like almost depth almost umami like it it does some funny things and you know Blake you mentioned um you know black pepper mm-hmm. over your mac and cheese yeah that's I mean, you know, as like a visual touch, it makes like perfect sense. Thanks to Bon Appetit, I have a unicorn pepper grinder. Stop! Yeah, because I... The system works! I learned that they're the best,
2: and I hope it lasts the rest of my life, because I will never use another one. It's the best thing ever.
1: I mean, that thing like basically sprays it out.
2: I mean... There's nothing comparable. I've never used a pepper grinder that's even close to the same as that.
1: Final thoughts on mac and cheese, life, cooking in general...
2: I'm excited to make (laughs) Maggie's recipe. I really enjoyed making this one and I'm definitely going to make it again. Potentially even, you know, start adding things, adding Mm -hmm. some protein to it or maybe even see if I could add breadcrumbs to the top of this one. I don't know. Just playing around. That's what I was going for was just getting a good base mac and cheese. And I'm thankful that you guys provided that for me.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, I do hope you try the other recipe. When you do, you know, just really be mindful of cooking out that bechamel. Really pay attention to that seasoning because you've seen how much cheese you were able to put in with a pound of pasta and a a decent amount of liquid and stuff. So that kind of at least gives you a bit of a barometer, right, for gauging mac and cheese recipes and kind of knowing, oh, well, if a recipe is 85% bechamel and there's only a modicum of cheese in there, chances are you've sacrificed some flavor there. And if it's under seasoned, it's going to give you some more of that just like indeterminate cardboard kind of flavor. So I just want to say, Blake, it's been a total joy to have you on. I wish you all the best on your mac and cheese journey and ultimately for you to make it yours. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thanks, Blake.
1: So Maggie and I helped empower Blake to make a delicious mac and cheese in his own kitchen. But if you thought we let Blake go without making him play us a recording of the sound of his cheese sauce, think again.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think that's terrifying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It
2: kind of was. I don't know what was humming in the background. Maybe it
1: was just the gas of the stove. That is not what I was expecting. It sounds like cardboard being ripped in the middle of like a fiery hellscape. If you have a dinner emergency on your hands, write to us at dinnersos at or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. And listeners, we're still looking for all of your questions about cakes and baking. So please send them in. No cake problem is too big or too small for our expert co-host to tackle. You can find the recipes featured on today's episode, Bon Appetit's Stovetop Mac and Cheese and Epicurious's Our Favorite Mac and Cheese, plus the rest of the Bon Appetit recipe archive, which includes dozens of mac and cheese recipes on the new Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Dinner SOS is a Conde Nast Entertainment original podcast. I'm your host, Chris Morocco. My co host this week is Maggie Hoffman. Our producer is Michelle O'Brien. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Leah Kasher is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal makes this episode. And next week, it's Valentine's Day. So we're getting spicy with a couple who wants to find a better way to spend time in the kitchen together.
0: And I was like, no, oh, no, you really need to cut the ends of the asparagus off. And he's sitting next to me right now, like, shaking his head that I'm admitting this to everybody.
1: She went around New York and tasted 20 different mac and cheeses, macs and cheese, mac and cheeses. She tasted 20 different mac and cheeses. Did you know that kids eat 1,095 meals every year each? Not even counting snacks. Honestly, being responsible for all those meals kind of sucks sometimes. But we've found a resource that actually helps and is funny too. Didn't I Just Feed You is a weekly podcast about feeding families hosted by two longtime food professionals, Stacey Billis and Megan Splawn. These ladies are not afraid to be candid and get real because as working moms, they know how hard it is to feed a family night after night. They joined me on an episode of Dinner SOS, but their show covers this topic week after week. From how to turn nachos into a legit family dinner to the magic of meatballs, solving the after-school snack problem to the mental load of being the family cook, they talk about it all, offering shortcuts, pro tips, techniques, and recipes along the way. Find Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. New episodes publish every Monday. You can also find Stacey and Megan on Instagram as at didn't I just feed you.